1 Corinthians 15, 14. It says this, And if Christ had not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. How, how many know we're not gathered tonight around an empty religion? Uh, you know, this isn't about smoke and mirrors. You know, th- this is real. Uh, this, this is true life. You know, I said, if Christ hadn't been raised, their preaching is useless and your faith is useless. How many are glad tonight that their faith isn't useless? That God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I love the fact that our God just didn't die. He wasn't just buried, but He rose again. And today we have victory. And the resurrected King is resurrecting us. I I love that. Now, if you've got your Bible tonight, I want you to go to Mark chapter 16. And we're going to read a passage from the Easter story. Mark 16, uh, verse 1. Let's go there. And then we'll have a bit of fun. Mark 16, verse 1, it says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, a Tongan was in the Bible. I don't know if you knew a Tongan was actually there. Salome. Uh, I think that's how you say it, isn't it? Is it up there? Yeah, Salome. Or um, Salome. Salome, I don't know. But I, I reckon a Tongan was, managed to get their way to Jerusalem. And uh, was there. And Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb where the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? I want us to all read out that line. That line there. Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Uh, Turn to and say, who will roll away the stone? Who will roll away the stone? Verse 4. But when they looked up, when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. For it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. Two people got excited about that. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. See that place. He's not there. He's not in any old tomb. Title of my message tonight is The Stone Has Been Rolled Away. The Stone Has Been Rolled Away. Some of you are just about to burst out into song right there and get your groove on. For those who have been around church for a wee while, there was a song back in 1993 called The Stone Has Been Rolled Away. Quickly, I'm not going to sing it. Just right now, sing it to your neighbor if you know it. The stone has been rolled away. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. Restored and sanctified in Christ. I I do believe, I think, uh, something like that. I forgot the lyrics. The stone has been rolled away. Now, how many know it's sometimes easy to overlook the surrounding details in a story and just focus on the main event? 
If we read this passage here, we'll notice Jesus, he's not in the tomb. How many know that's a big deal? That's the main event. He's risen. But sometimes it's the details that even make the details in the story that make the main event even more special. You know, a lot of planning goes into weddings these days. You know, things like centerpieces on tables are a huge deal. How many notice the centerpiece at a wedding? How many have never noticed the centerpiece at a wedding? You know, a, a lot of people out there, they go to weddings, they enjoy the occasion, and a lot of time and effort has gone into the centerpiece, and it's not even noticed. But when you notice things, it goes, man, they went through a lot of trouble to, to put that centerpiece in it. It's got meaning to it, which it often does. And, and, and there's a large expense often incurred because of the centerpiece. So often we, we focus on the main deal that we can miss some of the surrounding details. Now, at a first glance, if you look at the main event, man, amazing, amazing. Jesus is risen. But how many know when you look again, sometimes it's even more amazing? You know, I almost miss that. I didn't see that. It was like Moses. He was out in the wilderness, and he sees a burning bush. Now, now that was common in the wilderness because, because bushes burn. It's hot. Right, right. But the Bible says he took another look. He turned aside, and he saw this bush that was burning, and it says that it wasn't being consumed. Wow. He could have wow. just thought it was an everyday sight. Oh, bushes burn. But it was until he looked again, he noticed that this bush wasn't being consumed. So many of us have heard the Easter message. And we focus on the main events. That sometimes we miss the surrounding details that make the event even more awesome than it already is. See, in this resurrection story, in the story I just read out, we'll see that a large stone is placed in front of the tomb. The tomb was sealed, and it was guarded. You know, what's with the eggs at Easter? What's up with the eggs at Easter? Well, they represent new life. We have Easter eggs because there's life, and the egg represents the tomb. But there's life within that tomb. I don't know if you knew that. I'm just thankful to God that they're chocolate. Yeah, uh, we have the Easter bunny. The reason why we have the Easter bunny is because rabbits, when they have young, they put them in their burrows, which is like uh, symbolic of a tomb. And in fact, they often cover them up. It's sealed until they grow to an age of maturity where they can survive. Many people don't know that. It actually resembles life within this tomb. And here we see in the story that, that the tomb is sealed and it's guarded. In fact, the Pharisees who killed Jesus, they had it guarded because they were scared that the disciples would come and steal the body and start a rumor that he had been raised from the dead. And they wanted to shut down the message of Jesus. They wanted to shut down. Now, one thing you've got to understand, this tomb... Well, it was not Jesus' tomb. It it was actually Joseph of Arimathea. He was a well-known man. He was a wealthy man who came and he begged Pilate for the body of Christ. 
He begged him because what would normally happen after a crucifixion is the body would just remain on the cross. It would remain there sometimes for weeks. In fact, it was illegal to bury a crucified body in that day. Because part of the punishment for the crime was actually just to let the body rot. But Joseph of Arimathea, he was an influential man. He probably knew a centurion. And because he was wealthy, he was able to, in a a way, buy. He begged for the body of Christ. He took it home before the Sabbath occurred. and, And he put this body in a tomb. In this tomb. Now, here's the thing. Jesus only borrowed the tomb. He didn't need to buy it because he wasn't going to need it for that long. It was never going to be his final resting place. You know, the only thing he purchased, he bought, was you and I. And that cost him his precious blood. He did it because he knew the tomb was temporal, but he'll dwell in you and I for eternity. How many know God's smart when it comes to investments? He's not going to buy into something that's not going to last. That's not gonna, he's not going to need for that long. But He bought into you and I, and He spilled His precious blood that He might come and live in us, that He might come and dwell in us. Come on, don't give God a golf clap. Come on, give Him a big clap right now. So often... We invest in temporal things. You know, I like God because right at creation, He called the darkness night. You know, there was darkness all around, but God, spoke the, who spoke the world into being, called the darkness night. Darkness was permanent, but He called it night. How many know night has a beginning and it has an end? You know, weeping may endure for a night, the Bible says, but joy comes in the morning. You know, some of us right now, we've got darkness in our life. But I want to declare, you need to call that darkness night because it's only a temporal situation. Don't buy into something that's only meant to be temporal. Come on, God has called us out of darkness. He's called us out of darkness into His glorious light. But some of us right now, we rest in dark situations and we think things can't change. But I want to declare to you tonight that the God of all eternity who sent His Son to die on the cross and who rose again is is accessible to you and you can call your darkness night. See, when Mary Mary showed up, not the Mary Mary who sings a song, but Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, showed up to embalm his body. And, you know, we only can suspect that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea didn't do a good job. They had to do it quickly before the sun went down, that these women went back in the morning to do a proper job. Yeah, and they were thinking, they're thinking to themselves, oh, who's going to roll away the stone for us? Who's going to roll away this big stone? We can't do that. That's huge. Uh, the Bible says when they looked up, 
they saw the stone had been rolled away. Uh, why was the stone rolled away? See, see, perhaps in our haste, we believe that it was rolled away in order that Jesus might walk out the tomb and declare his rule and reign. That's why it's rolled away, because Jesus had to get out. But Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, takes a different perspective on this. If we go to Matthew 28, verse 2, it says, let's read it from Matthew's point of view. Matthew said this, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Wow, wouldn't that be a sight? His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I don't know how they were. It's like, what, they were just dead? Here's the deal. You've got to see that the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus. The stone was rolled away for us. It was rolled away for seekers. It was rolled away for his disciples. It was rolled away for Mary Mary. The same Jesus who conquered death didn't need someone to remove a stone in order for the resurrection to be complete. You know, I was like, oh, I conquered death, but the stone. That's a little too hard. He didn't have, no, God sent an angel to roll away the stone, which was the barrier that separated the weeping woman from the knowledge of the risen Savior. That was the barrier. They thought Jesus was dead in the tomb, but when the tomb was open, they could see that Jesus wasn't there. The angel beckoned. He said, come and see where his body was. Uh, what rock has God moved in your life so you could see Him better? Uh, what rock has God moved in your life so that you could see Him better? What mountains has He shaken? Come on, maybe it's a, a mountain of guilt and shame. Maybe it's a mountain of past mistakes. What, what mountain has He moved so that you can see Him? Then he might teach you about his love and his mercy and his glory and his power. Great word, Sam. But 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 what about the boulders that still need moving? See, I, I believe we need to come at them as Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene did in Salome. <laughs> Putting one foot in front of the other. They just put one foot in front of the other. Despite their despair, their grief, their pain, they just put one foot in front of the other. They didn't sit at home wondering how they were going to remove the stone. Yeah, they had questions, but they went on the journey. They took steps not knowing how God was going to reward their faith. 
See, sometimes in life we can sit there and wonder whether God could act on our behalf. But I've found until you take a step, everyone say, take a step. step. Until you take a step, you'll never know. They could sit at home wondering all the time the stone's been moved away. Could God be doing something in your life that you haven't perceived right now? Because you haven't taken a step. You've got to take a step. God rewards faith. One thing is for certain, no matter what obstacles present themselves, we can stand firm today knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing, no boulder, no stone. Nothing we've done. No height, no depth. No firmly placed stone, no heavy load, no dissatisfaction, no doubt, no sin. Can stop Him declaring His love and His eternal purpose for you and I. In fact, that's what Romans talks about. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 34. This is what Paul says. He says, Who then is the one, is the one who condemns? Who condemns you? Paul says, No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall? Everyone say, Who shall? Who shall? Who who out there? What? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Jump down to verse 37. It says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Are there any convinced Christians in church? It says, for I am convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, no stone. The stone has been rolled away. The obstacles have been removed. You can access God's love. You can access His mercy. You can access His plan and His purpose for your life through simply putting your confidence in God. He not only moves large stones, but He moves mountains as well. I really believe Jesus is looking for for not fans, there's many fans. Fans are fickle. Yeah, fans, they come and go depending on how the, how the team's performing. And so many people, you know, depending on what's going on in life, they either reach out to God or they don't reach out to God. But we need some people who are going to keep the faith. I know there was a Warriors slogan. <laughs> We need people, real believers, who keep the faith in spite of what's going on, despite what's going on in their life. Uh, Too many people are fans. They show up when they feel like it. Here's the deal. If you live your life by feelings, you don't need faith. Yeah, you need faith when you don't feel it. When you don't know what's going on. 
Come on, how many people have been in places where you don't know what's going on? Everything around you is in chaos. You know, you got things going on in family, you got work, you know, studies, relationships, all these things, and you go, man, I don't even know up from down, but I'm going to trust Jesus that He's got a plan and purpose for my life because He's a good God. He loves me. He's for me. See, one thing you've got to understand about God is, is that God builds three ways. The way He builds is, number one, through revelation. Second way He builds is through relationship. That's why I often say church simply is a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher in God. You know, so many people go, well, I could be a Christian and not go to church. Not really. If you read your Bible properly, you know, because God builds the way He builds our life is through the people around us. How many know it's not hard to love God? He's perfect. He's easy to love. But the person sitting next to you sometimes can be a challenge. I, I think I've got an amen on that one. I, I challenge to say that when you love God, you'll love others. Uh, the love of God will flow through your life and express itself in loving other people. So God builds through revelation. He builds through relationship and He builds generationally. That, that one generation shall praise His works to another. That, that's how God builds. But He starts with, by building with a revelation of who He is. Back in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is with the disciples, and, and he says, oh, who do men say I am? The reply was, oh, well, some say, Jesus, that you're John the Baptist, you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. But he turned to them, and he said, no, but who do you say I am? Question I want to ask you is, who's Jesus to you? Is he just a good man, a teacher? A prophet? Or was he and is he the son of God? It was Simon by Jonah. He said, no, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. In other words, you can't just understand that here. It's just spirit that gets a revelation of Jesus. And he went on and he said, on this rock, on the rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, anything God does in your life is on the revelation of who Jesus is. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation of our life. Who do you say Jesus is? See, I've found the enemy of our souls will do everything he can to obstruct our view of Jesus. In fact, I was at a Planet Shakers conference this week. And it was great just being in an atmosphere with thousands of people worshiping God. Man, there's nothing like it. Thousands of people in unison lifting up the name of Jesus. And, and there was one message that, that really caught my attention. It's all about seeing Jesus. And so often in life, 
We have things that obstruct our view of Jesus. So right now, I need Simeon. I need Genesee. I need uh, uh, Johnny. I need Isaac up on stage. I need all these guys up on stage. Quickly, quickly, run. I haven't prepared them. And uh, yeah, let's bring... Where's Genesee? Is he up in the balcony? I don't know where he is. Okay. Coming, coming. Is he running down? Yeah. Come on, from West Auckland. He's coming. <laughs> West Auckland. He leads our West Auckland. Quick, run, 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 Forrest, run. <laughs> run, run, run. Okay, because he's, he's here. Uh, this man can be Jesus. <laughs> he's got the long hair, you know. He's a Tongan, so Tongans were in the Bible, we know that. And, and he can be Jesus. You know, when we give our heart to Jesus, you know, we have this revelation of, ah, I can see him. You know, and, and it's amazing. You understand that, that, that your past has been forgiven. That you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.16, if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Man, I've got a new life. I'm not the old Sam. I'm a new person. I'm not defined by mistakes. I've seen Jesus. I understand the price he paid when he died on the cross and took my sin upon him. I, I'm a new person. Some people, hey, come over here. The, the people up here can't see you, man. They need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. They, they, they need to see Jesus. Can you see him now? Can you see him now? Nothing obstructing your view. But, but Sally, as we go along, you know, we can get distraction. Now, it can easily come in. Now, you're going to be distraction. Yeah, you're going to be distraction because you're a big boy. And, uh, nah. Now, now how, many, how many get distracted? From time to time, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's easy to get distracted. Here's the deal. The enemy doesn't need to destroy you for you to be in, ineffective. He just needs to distract you. I once read a billboard. It said, don't read billboards. They're distracting. Yeah. In fact, there's an ad campaign. It only takes two seconds to kill. Two seconds on your phone. How many have ever done that before? Two seconds texting while driving. How many have ever done that before? Come on, you can be honest. You're in church. Come on, how many have ever done that before? Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Yeah, yeah. I reckon some more hands should be up right now. Yeah, some of you, as you're pretending you're a saint, but you're not. Yeah, but distraction. So now it's like I'm struggling to see Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm having a, I sort of can see him, but I can't really see him. And then, you know, it comes in, it's like, I'm in church and there's other people around. And how many know some people are annoying? And how many know people can do dumb things? And some people say dumb things and they hurt you. And so here's hurt. He's hurt. You know, not only I'm distracted, but now I'm hurt. I'm going, is this God thing really real? And so it's like, I've got these, these things, these stones in the way. 
They say, and, and it's a struggle for me to see Jesus. I can't see Jesus. So not only distracted, but I'm hurt. But then, yeah, I think, oh, I'll give it a go anyway. You know, they told me to pray and trust Jesus. And, you know, I, I was sick and I prayed and, and nothing happened. And so now I've got disappointment. His disappointment. Right here. He said he's disappointed. So not only am I distracted, hurt, I'm now disappointed. And I can't see Jesus. All these other things are obstructing. I may be looking at religion, but religion will never set you free. I may be looking at rules. I may even be looking at other Christians. But unless I'm seeing Jesus, I'm not going to know the real deal. So many people have judged Jesus by the church. Here's the deal. The church ain't perfect, but Jesus is. And you need to remove some stuff. You need to roll away some stuff so that you can see Him. Because here's the thing. When you see Him, the Bible says you'll be like Him. That's where change takes place. Till until the stones of disappointment, hurt and distraction and many other things are rolled you're never going to see Him clearly. And you're in danger of misjudging him. You guys can take a seat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, distraction. See, what's discipleship? Discipleship is simply helping people see Jesus. That's what John the Baptist said. He said, I must decrease that he might increase. Yeah, it, it, it's like Peter and John, when they went to the gate beautiful and they saw a lame man. They said, look at me, look at me, look at me. How many remember the message of Thomas Hansen last year? First, it's look at me. Look at me, but then it's look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. This is nothing about the music, the lights. This is all about Jesus. We want you to have a revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus loves you. If you could see Him, you would pursue Him. If you could see Him, He would change you. Those things that you're struggling with, maybe the answer is just having a revelation of Jesus. Uh, let's look what John said in, in 1 John, and I'm almost done. Let's have the musicians up. Uh, 1 John 3 verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, Jesus is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. You've got to see Jesus. See, when God sees us now, He doesn't see us. He doesn't see our frailty. He doesn't see our weakness. He sees Jesus. 
That's, that's what he sees. But what do you see? See, some of you live condemned on an ongoing basis because you're still looking at your mistakes. God doesn't see them. If you could see Jesus, you'd be like him, who was perfect and without sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 says this. Since this new way gives us such confidence, you know, what Jesus came to do is introduce a new way of living, a new approach, a new perspective. He says, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Great. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can be bold. <laughs> Not bald, bold. <laughs> you can be bold. Bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. It says, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. It was temporary. That was temporary. That's what he's saying there. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil, in other words, there's a stone that hasn't been rolled away. The same veil covers their minds so they, they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. How, how's the veil removed? How's the stone rolled away? It's rolled away. Where's the scripture? It's not up there. I thought it was up there. But you're going to have to take my word. Look it up afterwards. The veil is removed by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. Verse 16, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So in other words, when you, when you come to Jesus, your eyes are open. For the Lord is spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah, yeah, good. Come on, we should be happy about that. See, when you believe in Jesus, you have access to His spirit. And wherever His spirit is, there is freedom. The world promises freedom, but delivers on very little. And there's something inside of us that wants to know what it is to live free. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It says, so all of us who have had that veil removed or that stone rolled away can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is Spirit makes us more and more. Somebody say more and more. more, and more. Come on, say more and more. He makes us more and more like Him. We're not there yet. I've been a believer for some years. But there's more. Because there's more and more. Who makes us what? more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. If I could just see Him. If those obstacles could be removed. If I could see from a different point of view, 
the degree of accuracy in which you see God does not change or alter the existence of God. I'll say that again. The degree of accuracy in which you see God does not change or alter the existence of God. He's God whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. But if you could get a revelation of who He is, you wouldn't have to do life by yourself. You wouldn't have to go to places to find meaning and find purpose. You could know a purpose because that purpose would live on the inside of you. See, so many people in this world are looking for something on the outside to satisfy some, a need on the inside. But as until Jesus is in His place, Nothing will fully satisfy. Yeah, you may get a temporary buzz. Yeah, you may have a temporary high. But it's only God, the Most High, who can satisfy the longing of your heart, the need of your heart. You're created for Him. You're created by Him. And friend, He loves you. And Easter just proves that. He spilled His blood. He removed the obstacle of sin that we might see God, that there might be a bridge between us and God. It was our sin that separated us. But Jesus, through the cross, built a bridge that we could walk over and we could know God's original intention for our life. Come on, this is real. This is real. Just as you can't see the wind, you can feel it. You don't deny its existence. And there's something that in our heart, in our mind's eye, God wants to reveal to us that we might see and that our eyes may be open, that the veil would come down, that the stone would be rolled away, that we'd know that we're not here by chance. We're here by God's ordained purpose. He's got a life for you here and today, but forever. Come on, there's more to this life than this life. And life is found in a relationship with Him. Come on, if you want to believe tonight.